You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, parents in a local school district debate whether children should learn about LGBTQ people, and it gets messy. I worry about our students and and what they're seeing and, and feeling based on what's happening with social media. Plus, a small donut shop slash laundromat in the North Country has endured for decades. The owner tells us his recipe for success. They always know we're here. You know, do their laundry, have a donut, have a sandwich, or go in the store seven days a week. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast, audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at ROCVOX.com. Should kids as young as four learn about LGBTQ people in school? This question is being debated all over the country right now, including right here in our backyard. In the Pittsford Central School District, an after-school club for elementary students initiated a heated debate about the role of public education and the rights of LGBTQ people and their families. My colleague Noelle Evans has this story. There's this optional after-school program for elementary students. It's called the Rainbow Club, and it explores aspects of life for LGBTQ people and their families. Within the past week, a flyer for the club sparked a firestorm from parents and activists on social media. It was a reading list with a schedule of activities. But some found it disturbing and inappropriate. Others said this kind of programming is vital to prevent bullying because it educates children on accepting each other's differences. It all came to a head on Tuesday at a school board meeting. Parent Teresa Young was one of the first to speak during a public forum. As her three minutes were coming to an end, she said that addressing LGBTQ students by their identity is getting in the way of learning. When others are busy talking about is a boy a girl, is a girl a boy? They are learning parts of atmospheres and the seven wonders of the Asian world. When others are working on sending the boys to the girls' locker room, they are learning how to do the research and write an essay. Thank you, Teresa. All right, last sentence. All right, Teresa. School, what is your Time is up. priority? Time is up. Young was followed by another parent, Jeremy Schur. He said teachers should respect students' pronouns because all students should be supported in school. But at this point, the crowd grew restless. He referred back to Young's earlier comments. Half the people in this room are clapping for transphobia. All right? Well, you just clapped for that speech, and that was classic transphobia. Okay, we're... School board president Amy Thomas stepped in. Let's just clarify, we're addressing the board not the audience. The audience, give respect to the speaker, please. Okay. The privilege of the floor. He should respect us. We are respecting everybody here. By calling us Go ahead. Go ahead, Well, there, there are going to be many speakers ahead of me. And their speakers... Jeremy, continue, please. Uh, okay, I want to res- respond to that because someone just raised the concept of pedophilia. All right? This is what While this meeting is happening in a small town of about 30,000 people, it's part of a national conversation. 
Last week in Florida, a bill was passed that bans classroom discussions about LGBTQ issues. It also requires schools to report when a student receives mental health services, effectively outing some students who may not feel safe coming out to their families. Earlier this week, a similar law was introduced in Ohio. Milo Oburn is the chair of the Women and Gender Studies Department at SUNY Brockport. They are also a parent of two young children. They say this trend is rooted in censorship, erasure, and intolerance. Oburn says educating students on the fact that LGBTQ people exist is not the same as teaching a sex ed class. I don't know why we think that we can't talk to children about gay parents when we can talk to them about straight parents, right? Like, you know you have a mom and a dad, and we don't have to say exactly the physical things that those people were doing with each other to create the child. Um, But we still talk about straight families. But then if we talk about queer families, then somehow we're talking about something that's not age appropriate. But the thing is, children have queer parents from the time they're born. According to the National Mental Health Association, children and teens who identify as queer, trans, or gay, are nearly twice as likely than their peers to be bullied, harassed, and physically assaulted. The organization recommends GSAs, or Gay Straight Alliance Clubs, to provide a safe space in school for those students. At Tuesday's school board meeting, Superintendent Michael Pirro remarked on some of the social media chatter that erupted over the last week around Rainbow Club. He said just as students may struggle with online bullying, in this case, adults exemplified that they are just as capable of the same offense. I I worry about um, our students and and what they're seeing and and feeling um, based on what's happening with social media. I worry about how they feel about themselves, um, their own self-worth. I worry about bullying that happens on social media. I worry about the negative stuff on social media. A lot of us are here tonight because of stuff that have happened with adults on social media. In the crowd, ninth grader T.J. Perrin watched as the scene before them unfolded. They said afterward that it was shocking to see how many parents wanted to ban the club. It makes them feel safe in their schools, so to take it away is really heartbreaking to me because it would be good if I had that when I was in elementary school. But I just hope that Rainbow Club will continue to be in their school district for many years to come. It's unclear whether the Rainbow Club will be able to continue. But Pirro said all after-school enrichment programs will need to abide by the same strict approval process through principals and the district going forward. Noelle Evans covers education for WXXI News. Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI, and if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson, that's me. On the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News. You know those local businesses that hang around forever, that aren't just beloved by locals, but also become tourist attractions? The Washboard Donut Shop is one of them. It's been in the North Country for decades, situated in downtown Tupper Lake. 
and it's a place where people can get fresh donuts and do laundry seven days a week. Emily Russell is a reporter for North Country Public Radio. She takes us there on a visit. Tina Marahue has been making fresh fried donuts for more than 30 years. She says it's a skill she's had to work hard to perfect. It's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> Marahue is behind the counter of the Washboard Donut Shop in Tupper Lake. In her red and black flannel shirt, she picks up a big stainless steel funnel. It's called a hopper, and it's full of donut batter. To release the batter, you push down the handle at the top, but not for too long. It's all in the pressure of the hopper. You know, you, you can't hold it unless they come out fat. So it's sort of a quick punch. With each little punch, the perfect amount of batter plops into the hot oil. Marahue watches closely as the donuts bubble and fry. So see how they're all popping open? And you just flip them. She grabs a pair of long wooden tongs, each flip revealing a beautiful golden donut. After a few more minutes, she takes them out to let them cool. You can order a donut just the way it is, old-fashioned, or with frosting that Marahue makes here herself. There's raspberry, blueberry, strawberry. The chocolate is um, sort of like a real thick brownie chocolate, so I do mix a little bit of vanilla in with it. There's also peanut butter, maple bacon, and the latest addition, Oreo cookie. The front door swings open and someone orders a half dozen donuts. And I need two cinnamon sugar, two maple bacon, and two chocolate. Jane St. Louis is from Tupper Lake. I ask her how often she comes in for donuts. Oh, probably every other month or so. Depends if there's a birthday or not. (laughs) Is this for a party? No, this is because it's Friday and we deserve a treat. For some folks, the washboard donut shop is a place to indulge. For others, like Suzanne Orlando, it's part of a routine. Orlando owns the Faust Motel in Tupper Lake. And tell me, like, how often you come in here and We come every day because these are the best donuts for in the whole North Country, and our customers love having something local and fresh every morning. Ed Fletcher says that is the key to this donut shop's success, that reliability. Fletcher is Tina Marahue's father. He's owned the place for more than 30 years. Their customers, Fletcher says, can always count on them. They always know we're here. You know, do their laundry, have a donut, have a sandwich, or go in the store seven days a week. That store he's referring to is a little gift shop that Fletcher opened in here years ago. He's also expanded the laundromat portion of the shop and ramped up their donut-making capacity. Fletcher says that's really where the profit is, in bulk donut orders. Like yesterday, some lady come in and she bought, you know, I think there was 10 dozen. That's what we need. They also need foot traffic, people coming downtown for one thing and then deciding also to go get donuts or something from the gift shop. That's been tougher in recent years, with storefronts sitting empty or businesses just not staying open consistently. That wasn't always the case in Tupper Lake. Fletcher grew up here. He remembers when downtown was a lot more alive. In the 50s, uh, you'd come down here at night and all the stores were open. There used to be four or five restaurants right here on Main Street. Fletcher and others in Tupper Lake say they are seeing a bit of a resurgence. Younger people are moving in, trying to build businesses here. There's a new housing project planned. Fletcher is hopeful about the rail trail that's going to connect Tupper Lake to Lake Placid. 
His daughter, Tina, says they'll be here through it all. She's confident the washboard donut shop offers something special. I think the uniqueness of people seeing me make them, being fresh, um, making them up as they order, you know, it's, uh, it's just unique. Do you like donuts? I do, but I limit myself, <laughs> especially when they're warm and rolled in the cinnamon. <laughs> That's like the best. Of course, I have to fact check her on that. So I order one, a freshly fried donut, still soft and warm, rolled in cinnamon sugar. <laughs> so good. Emily Russell is a reporter for North Country Public Radio. You can read and hear more of their work at northcountrypublicradio.org. And that's it for Earshot. If you like what you hear, subscribe to this show. You'll get new episodes in your feed every Friday. Rate us and leave us a review while you're there. Find even more local news on our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.